Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Business Creators Radio Show. I'm your host, Adam Homey, and I want to welcome you to another great episode. If you are a business creator, you have landed in the right place. And by business creators, we can mean one of several things. You may be an entrepreneur, small business owner, or local business owner. You may be a marketing or business coach. You may be somebody who helps others build their businesses and win at the game of business and marketing. And this can include web designers, graphic designers, social media strategists, media and publicity professionals, and others. Anybody who helps others win at the game of business and marketing. And, of course, we have our loyal fans who are do-it-yourselfers who just love to have their own hands on the levers and make things happen yourself. If you are one or more of the above, please take a moment. Explore episodes and discover how our experts can help you win at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. I'm sorry, I said that wrong. See, the host is allowed a prerogative. www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. Now, we're also on iTunes. Just do a search for Business Creators Radio Show and subscribe. Have it fed to you every single week when we post a new episode. Every five-star rating is greatly appreciated and helps us spread the message so we can help more business creators just like you. Now, today, I'm very excited for our topic, and this is one I've been looking forward to for a long time because this is something that a lot of business creators face, whether they recognize it by name or not. It's going to be about effective decision-making and the key to moving forward in your business and your life. So if the term analysis paralysis means anything to you. This episode is for you. And our guest expert today is going to be Sharon Hibbert of sharedideas.net, shared-ideas.net. And just to tell you a little bit about Sharon, uh, Sharon has this goal of living in a world where talented, creative, and intelligent people stop struggling so hard to achieve success. As a business development and strategy coach, Sharon works with motivated entrepreneurs serving as a business GPS system, helping them to design a personalized path to reach their specific goals. She's passionate about guiding and inspiring others to utilize their existing resources, creativity, life experience, and other areas of skill and strength in the most effective way possible to build, grow, and maintain a thriving and fulfilling business. When she's not engaged in leading a workshop, one-on-one coaching, or a public speaking opportunity, you can find Sharon hiking the trails, traveling, sampling the fair at a new restaurant, playing with her cats, which is one of the main reasons we had her on the Business Creators Radio Show, because our listeners know that my cats run the Business Creators Radio Show. They just allow me to host it once a week as long as I give them a steady supply of fancy feast. Reading or taking yet another online class, because there's always more to learn. Sharon's also currently working to produce an online workshop for aspiring entrepreneurs that she hopes to launch by the end of this year. And you can visit her website at shared-ideas.net to learn more about how she can help you to release your expertise and build your best business. Sharon, how are you today? I'm just great, Adam. How are you today? Couldn't be better if you paid me a million dollars. However, that should not discourage you from making the attempts. (laughs) <laughs> well, I'll let you have my next million. It's all yours. Thank you so much for having me on the show today. No, no problem at all. The honor is entirely ours. The pleasure is entirely ours because this whole thing about effective decision-making is something that holds so many people back. Now, before we dive in, what I want to do is I want to take a quick step back and give those of our listeners who may not have heard of you yet or had a chance to get to know you a chance to find out more about Sharon. And I might ask something like, tell us a little bit about your background and what brought you to where you are today, but you have a huge background with a wide range of experience that has brought you to where you are right now, serving as a business GPS system who helps business creators design a personalized path to reach their specific goals. So what I'd like to do is, you and I had some conversations before we brought you on here, and there was one specific part of your career, one specific part of your life that really kind of tipped the scales and moved you over to the, into the column of becoming a fellow business creator. So could you tell us a little bit more about that? Sure, absolutely. Well, although I had my original career starting in marketing and advertising, and I worked for several marketing firms and advertising agencies, and I loved that work, I always found myself to be much more creative, and I had to find a better way to express my creativity. So I shifted from advertising design to interior design, and I was working as an interior designer for going on 18 years. 
Well, during my career as an interior designer, I started finding that I was having a lot of conversations with other interior designers, especially in my local area. And the conversations always centered around, Sharon, how do you get your clients? Sharon, how do you grow your design business? How is it that you're always so busy? And so I found myself giving them advice based on my personal experience and kind of giving them some guidance as to where to advertise, how to reach their ideal client, why it wasn't so important to take every client that seemed interested in them, how to target the right ones, and all other kinds of advice that I could come up with based on my personal experience for developing a great interior design business of their own. And I even got to the point where I was teaching how to do workshops and how to do public speaking and demonstrations about design. And one day it dawned on me, you know what? I actually enjoy teaching others how to create their own business more than I enjoy doing my own business myself. So maybe I'm getting tired of climbing up and down ladders and hanging draperies and tracking truck shipments of furniture coming to and from China and I might want to switch gears. So I decided to go and get my business coaching certification. It's an international coaching certification so that I would have the official skills and certification that I needed to continue my work inspiring and guiding others to build a business of their own that they found fulfilling and satisfying. And that's what I've been doing lately, and I love it. It's kind of funny when you discover the deeper passion inside the work that you're doing on the surface, and this is not the first story like this I've ever heard. There are many folks who say, you know, I've been in this type of business for X number of years, but I discovered that the real passion was doing this other thing, and so I jumped into it. Like, uh, I, I was such and such, but I discovered what I really enjoy is coaching, what I really enjoy is consulting. Uh, those of our fans who are familiar with Bill Glazer know that for many years he owned a store he discovered that one of the passions behind his business was the marketing side of it. And then he got involved more in marketing, marketing coaching, marketing consulting, and the rest is history. So you're not the first one that's made that transition. And I can tell you just from the experiences of so many around me, that's a very exciting transition to make where you know that not only are you growing your own business, you're growing your own life, but you're passionately reaching out and helping others. And I can definitely hear that passion your Business Creators Radio Show, and our listeners know this, we provide the tools, techniques, and strategies to help entrepreneurs quickly grow their businesses. And a lot of our listeners tell me they have everything they need to implement any recommendation from any of our guest experts except for time and money. This is a question we ask every expert who appears on our show, not only because of the variety of responses we get, but also because of the variety of interpretations of the question. So let me ask you, how does time and money apply to business decision-making? Well, in terms of decision-making, the faster you can make a decision, the sooner you can move forward with whatever your goal is for your business. The longer you waffle on a decision, the longer you you stay stuck. And if you keep yourself from moving forward, you're simply just wasting your time. Um, Even if you make a decision that you're not completely satisfied with, at least you're moving. A body in action stays in action. So by making decisions, you're saving yourself time that you would be wasting by staying stuck. Does that kind of make sense? That makes perfect sense, absolutely. And that kind of ties back to the whole issue of analysis paralysis. So that's perfectly logical. So let's dive in here. Now, there are many decisions you can make. Uh, You can make good decisions. You can make bad decisions. And oftentimes, you don't know if the decision is truly bad or good until you've made it and you've implemented it. So... You talk about making effective decisions. Now, is that the same thing as making a good decision or making a right decision? Well, no, Adam. Actually, an effective decision is not always a good decision. Sometimes it is. Sometimes it's not. But let me use my definition for an effective decision. In my mind, an effective decision is the best alternative in any given situation, the choosing of which enables you to move forward. So, in other words, whether you make a good decision 
or a bad decision, that's a very subjective thing. Whether you decide down the road that it was a good decision or a bad decision is not really what matters so much as the fact that you made a decision. Um, I like to use a little expression that some of the folks might have heard of. Um, there's another coach, not a business coach, but a baseball coach that people have heard of named Yogi Berra. And he yeah. is famous for a lot of his yogi-isms, one of which is <laughs> when you come to a fork in the road, take it. Have right. you heard that one? Many, many, yeah, not many a lot, times. Yes. Many times. Now, a lot of people think that that's just a silly expression. Oh, what does he mean when you come to a fork in the road? Take it. Well, the fact of the matter, he's not telling you whether to choose to go left or to go right when you reach that fork. He's telling you to make a decision. So, therefore, when you come to a fork in the road, take it. Make the decision, good, bad, or otherwise, and then you're giving yourself permission through making that decision to move forward. As long as it's the best decision you can make with the information you have at any given moment, that is the best decision to make at the time. Right. And that's and this is something that was taught to me, and when it was explained to me this way, I finally started to get it. Uh, mm -hmm. All too often, when we work for companies or we're in environments where there's this big emphasis on responsibility. This is, you know, you think that people taking responsibility and people taking, you know, the, the reins and things like that is a good thing. And in many cases it is, but where it sometimes gets twisted is the idea of taking responsibility gets very quickly translated into the equation responsibility equals blame. So people become afraid to make decisions because then things don't go exactly as planned, and then they have their boss or their stakeholder or whatever leaning over the desk saying, well, you told me this would work. <laughs> and, then, and then what happens all too often anecdotally and in many cases people's personal experiences is they find that next time they make recommendations or try and make decisions, all of a sudden people want to scrutinize or they have to answer 25 more questions. So they become afraid to make decisions. And that leads to analysis paralysis. Now, CEO thinking and executive thinking is you make a decision now based on the best information you have, knowing that you don't have to be emotionally attached to it. If it works out great, that's awesome. If it doesn't work out or it turns down the wrong fork in the road, as Yogi Berra would say, you cut your losses, you make a new decision. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Um, I, I completely agree with that. And it's not about worrying that, well, gee, I've made bad decisions in the past, so I should be afraid to make a decision now. And it's not about worrying that, oh, well, if I make a poor decision now, that's going to affect what happens in the future. The point is you should live in the present moment. Don't worry about right. what you did in the past or what past mistakes might have done for you. Don't be afraid of what's going to happen in the future as a result of your decision because you can, as you mentioned, Adam, just go ahead and make another decision to change course whenever you feel the need. So if you live in the present moment and you do make that decision with the best information you have right at this moment, that is an effective decision. Effective in the sense that it moves you forward, even if it only right. moves you forward to the next decision. That's brilliant. A decision is effective even if it only moves you forward to the next decision. That right there is a writer downer for our listeners because another thing that gets programmed into our minds, whether we realize it or not, is that when we make a decision, that's supposed to take us all the way to the finish line. In many cases, that's not the case, where it is a stepwise process. And I see people get stuck on that all the time because this decision is supposed to be the one thing that changes everything, where the decision could be nothing more than a reaction to what's going on right now to move it one step forward. So there's various types of decisions we need to make. And I think where we need to explore next is why this ability to make what you term effective decisions, why is this so important? Why is it so important? Well, again, yeah. I would say the number one importance behind the ability to make a decision is that it enables you to keep in motion or keep in action and move forward. Let me give you two very simple examples of what happens right. when you can't make a decision quickly. Do we have time for that? Of course we do. Okay. Let's say that you're sitting in a restaurant and you're having dinner with maybe a few other couples. It's a nice evening out. 
and the waiter comes up to you and says, so what would, like, what would you like to order this evening, sir? And you say, oh, I don't know. I'm thinking maybe the chicken, maybe the fish, maybe the steak. Well, what would you think? Well, any good server, of course, is going to say, oh, sir, they're all delicious. You can't go wrong. Any one of them would be a wonderful choice. But still, you can't decide. Well, what's happening? The time is ticking. Your friends are waiting. The server is waiting to put the order in so he can go and take the order from the next table. And time is just passing. And yet, you're sitting there waffling on your decision. Well, if you know that you like chicken, and you know that you like steak, and you know you're enjoying your evening out, wouldn't it just be easier to get on with it and choose something so that everyone can get on with their evening? And then likely you'll enjoy whatever it is you choose. And guess what? If you don't like what you order, I would almost guarantee you that the server would let you send it back and get something different. So right. just make a decision. You know? Okay, well, the second example would be actually if you are at a fork in the road, literally, and you need to decide whether to make a right turn or a left turn. Well, the longer you sit there, the more traffic is starting to build up behind you, and people are getting very impatient. Now, you might not know exactly which turn is the correct turn, but I know for sure that you're going to be getting very uncomfortable when those people start laying on their horn and, you know, getting closer and closer to your back bumper, and you probably grip the steering wheel tightly and say, oh, I just have to do something. So you make a right turn. All of a sudden, it dawns on you, oh, no, I should have made a left. But that's okay, because what do you do? You drive another block or two, and you make another turn, and you simply correct course. But if you had continued to sit there at that fork in the road because you were paralyzed with the inability to make that decision, first of all, you would still be sitting there, and you have not moved forward at all. Secondly, you have a whole lot of people really unhappy with you. So isn't it better to just make a decision and then keep moving forward? You know, I've done this so many times, Sharon, where I've been driving along, particularly on an interstate highway, and I miss the exit, or I get confused and I take the wrong exit. All I can do is just drive underneath the overpass and get back on. I mean, what else can you do? And as far as, you know, directions or anything like that, sometimes we have – ingrained into us as we get the map or we get the directions then we get lost and we have all of our friends hovering over us like why did you get lost why can't you follow directions where i look at it as okay well there's a new adventure here or maybe i was meant to pull over at this wrong exit there may be something i discover in this little town maybe there's a little antique shop or maybe i'm about to drive into one of those ghost towns i read about on the internet and i get to see something cool who knows uh, so I just kind of go with it. Who knows? You know, what could happen? That's a great uh, way I, to I, look I, at it. Yeah. Yeah, I that's, that's, my, that's I, a great I, way to look at it yeah. because it really makes the, the journey that much more enjoyable. And sometimes yeah. it's not so much the path that you take um, to get where you're going. It's the getting there that counts. So you can take any of several different paths and ultimately end up in the same place. So sometimes right. the decisions that you make do take you a different direction, but it doesn't mean it's the wrong direction. As in your case, maybe you discovered something brand new that you wouldn't even have found if you hadn't made that first quote-unquote wrong decision. Right. That, that's the other thing, too. I mean, we can talk about Post-it notes all day long. Uh, the mm -hmm. idea of the Post-it note, you know the story behind the Post-it note, right? Well, which one are you referring to? Please tell me. Post-it notes. Uh, where Post-it notes come from? Actually, I don't. Tell me, Adam, where did Post-it notes come from? I think they're a very clever idea, but I don't know the history on that one. All right. So Post-it notes, which are these little pieces of paper that have glue on them, you can stick to something like your wall or your computer monitor. You can easily peel them back off. Or you could even attach them to another piece of paper and then peel them right back off, were created when somebody screwed up a batch of glue. Really? There were an accident. Somebody messed up the chemical mixture in a batch of glue, and then they had all this wasted glue. Now, there's two ways they could have gone about this. One could be you have senior management leaning in saying, who messed up the glue? Whose paycheck are we docking? Who's getting fired? But instead, somebody noticed you could apply this to paper and have it sort of stick to something in a way that it won't just fly away, but then you can peel it away whenever necessary. They recognized a marketing opportunity right in front of them, and they created an entirely new 
industry, an entirely new market, because somebody screwed up the mixture of the glue. Well, there you go. So let's try for a second to apply that to decision-making. Whoever made the decision to mix the glue the way they did when it was, again, call it wrong, if you will, and came up with that great result, well, that could have been labeled a bad decision because, oh, they could get in trouble. They could have gotten fired. They could have wasted all this time and materials. But it ended up being a good decision because look at the marketing opportunity it opened up for Post-it notes. And now Post-it notes are something everyone is familiar with, even if they're not familiar with the history, which thank you for enlightening me on that one. So whether that was a good decision or a bad decision is really a very subjective thing. It's in the eye of the person labeling it as good or bad. But was it an effective decision? You bet it was, because look what happened when they moved forward after the quote-unquote mistake had been made, and look what came to happen as a result of it. Post-it notes were born. How great is that? Yeah, exactly. Uh, exactly. I mean, the, the scientist involved in it uh, was a gentleman named Dr. Spencer Silver, and this happened in 1968. Ironically, he was trying to develop a super strong adhesive, and hmm. he ended up going in exactly the opposite direction because he had his mix wrong. Now, of course, somebody over him could have said, gee, I thought you knew how to make super strong glue and you create this crap, you're fired. But that's not what <laughs> ended up happening. Exactly. But ultimately, someone listened to him and this idea that came about entirely by accident and that's the reason why we're reading about Dr. Spencer Silver and we're not reading about the people who could have fired him. <laughs> Well, sometimes you have an accidental innovation. It sounds like that's what happened to Dr. Silver. Yes, yes, and he was in a culture that made room for that, which is also something we don't see every day. Now, aside from some of the things we covered already, what do you think are some of the reasons that many people struggle with making decisions? I think a lot of the examples we've shown so far cite the fear of punishment, but what else is out there? Well, of course, it's fear of punishment, but it's also fear of making a mistake, fear of making a poor decision, fear of maybe doing something that cannot be undone. But the truth okay. of the matter is most decisions can be undone simply by making another decision a little bit further down the road. Um, now, there are some decisions which are more final, if you will, than others, right. but that brings us, I guess, to the deciding how important the outcome is on each decision that you make. The more critical the outcome, the more, sh the more thought, I should say, should be put into the making of that decision. If it's just right. as simple as, you know, what do I order, or order for dinner or what do I wear to the party, there's no permanent damaging lasting consequences regardless of which decision you make. So those decisions should really be made fairly quickly. Now, right. more long-term permanent decisions do require a little bit more thought. Exactly, and I think you're absolutely right about that. What I'd like to do here is skip ahead just for a moment here because you mentioned the idea of people making bad decisions um, that can't be undone. And we've talked about how you just make a new decision that responds to what has happened since that previous decision was made. But sometimes there are decisions out there that you just simply cannot undo. There is no going back. There is no erasure. And just simply making a new decision doesn't fix it. So what do you do then? Well, exactly, and I'll take it to a very serious turn for just a moment, and right. I'll bring to, one, to light one of the decisions that many of us, especially pet lovers, do have to make in our lives that really cannot be undone. Um, as I'm sure you're aware, being a cat lover and having pets, I'm sure you've had cats in the past as well, pets yes. get old, pets get ill, and sometimes we have to make that one final decision for the comfort of the pet. Now, that right. is a decision that really, once it's made, cannot be undone. So we try to think about it as carefully as we can. We try to evaluate, gee, is it better for the pet? Is it better for us? Is it the right thing? But there's no way to know absolutely 100% for sure, is it the good decision, as opposed to letting that pet continue to live on and struggle and suffer. So that would be what I guess some people would call a decision that cannot be undone. Once it's done, it is done. 
Well, how do you deal with the what-if feelings that come up after you make such a decision, knowing that there's no undoing it, knowing that it can't be reversed? Well, my advice in that case goes back to living in the present moment. You really have to evaluate everything you have at your disposal when you're making that decision. Again, questions like, what is the quality of life that my pet has right now? Is she in pain? Would she be more at peace if I made this decision? I am the only one that has the power to give her this peace. I am the only one that can make this decision. She can't do it for herself. She's a cat. You know, so what am I going to do? Am I going to stay stuck and not make a decision that could bring her some peace and comfort? Or am I going to do what only I can do and take her out of her misery? Now, it's hard because it hurts me emotionally. I love my cat. I'm going to miss my cat. In fact, I had to make this decision myself just three years ago with my own cat, and it, it, it broke my heart. But I knew that it was for her own best good. Now, what if I found out afterward that maybe there was some miracle drug that could have bought her another five years of life? Well, okay, would I have looked back on that and said, oh, I made a bad decision? Well, maybe, but that's not the right way to look at it. What I did was I made what I thought was the best decision in that moment. My kitty was suffering. She was not having a good quality of life. I loved her. I wanted her to be at peace. So I made my best possible decision at the moment. And the idea of living in the present moment is after that decision is made, don't look back. Do not look at the past. Don't think about what might have been. And when that miracle cure comes out, don't lament, oh, if I had only waited another three years, there would be a miracle drug and I could have had three more years with my cat. You can't worry about what might happen in the future or what's going to be left behind in the past if you know with confidence that you've made the best decision right here, right now, in the present moment. Is that making sense? That makes a lot of sense. And one of my personal journeys that I've had come up with for me several times, particularly in the past year since I moved to Las Vegas and I've had some pretty dramatic things happen in my life, is I've had to make some pretty tough decisions about things in my personal life and things in my business life where there was no very clear answer that one thing was really good and one thing was really bad and there was no way I could possibly make the decision without adversely impacting myself and others in some way. There was just no way to do it. There was no way to really truly solve the problem, but a decision had to be made about what the next course of action was going to be. In one specific Mm -hmm. instance, uh, uh, I came into a situation where I had two very strong sets of values and things I strongly believed in, and they came in direct conflict with each other, where it got to the point where attempting to follow both of them would be disastrous because they were both, where they were both heading, were mutually exclusive of each other, where they were going to essentially cause wreckage to the other thing, and I had to decide which way I was going to go. And it's impossible to really look back at that, at least from my perspective, and say, yeah, that was absolutely the right decision, and I know there's no other way I could have looked at this, because there is another way I could have looked at it, because I went back and forth over the many different ways you could look at it. And I think what I'm hearing you say is that you can't really go through life lamenting that. That's right. You can't look back and say should have, could have, would have. Once you make the decision, if you know in your heart and in your mind that you made the best decision utilizing all the information at your disposal, there is no point looking back. There's no point wallowing in regret. The best thing you can do is pick up and move forward, and if that means it leads to making another decision, well, then that's what you need to do. I'll give you an example from my personal life from years ago where I did make a bad decision, and then I corrected it with a good decision. Of course, at the time I made it, I didn't think it was a bad decision. It seemed like a great idea. Would you like to right. hear it? Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. The okay. It's yours, Sharon. Well, you share your stories. I'll share mine. That's what it's all about. So all right. many years ago, when I was very young, um, I was being courted by a very handsome man, 
And as I said, I was quite young. Well, he decided to propose to me. At the time, I didn't know that he was just looking for a trophy wife. Now, that's not a very nice term, but at the time, I thought, oh, he takes me to all these wonderful places. We go to parties. We go to restaurants. He showers me with gifts. He loves me. And, of course, being as young as I was, I fell for him hook, line, and sinker. So I married the man. Well, he wasn't a bad man. But really, the only reason he wanted to marry me, being that he was 12 years older than me, was that he wanted somebody attractive on his arm to show off at his business parties. Well, that's not exactly a good idea when you're searching for qualities in a wife or in a husband, but I married him nonetheless. Well, three years later, I decided that that had been a bad decision. But I was going to fix it. And so what did I do? I made another decision, and that was to file for divorce. Now, that was a good decision because at the time, we were still friends. We didn't dislike each other. We didn't hate each other. We just both kind of knew that the marriage wasn't really going anywhere. We also had no children in the picture yet. And to me, that was very important because I did want to have children someday. And if I were to have children with this man, when the marriage wasn't solid, that would be a bad decision. So the best thing I could do to correct course was to go ahead and file for divorce. And we still are occasionally in touch with one another. We made a decision to part company while we were still friends. So there's an example of making a bad decision that you thought was a great idea at the time, getting married, and then changing direction and making another decision, getting divorced, which became the better decision three years down the road. So really, there are very few permanent decisions that can't be corrected, but how do you correct them? You make another decision. Right, right. Translating this to business creators and some of the issues that business creators face, one thing that we see happen pretty often is people make decisions about things like product or service launches or promotions or something along those lines, and things don't go exactly as planned. Uh, They write this this easing or this email and they send it out that's supposed to generate a lot of sales and it doesn't quite happen. I had something happen to me just a couple weeks ago actually where I was managing a promotion for one of my clients. It was a you know, it was being done through a combination of email and blog posts and social media and it was promoting a limited time product sale and mm-hmm. I misjudged how long that sale was supposed to be. And I set up as a five-day sale, whereas it would have been more effective had I done it as a 24-hour sale. And this became apparent when it just wasn't selling, and the client started asking questions. Now, the client uh, and I you know, had a conversation on Skype. We chat on Skype all the time. And I see him in the video, and he's pointing at me and saying, well, you said it was supposed to be five days long. And I said, and now several years ago, that would have sent me into a cataclysm of, regrets and angst and, oh, my God, what did I do and have I harmed this person? Now, this time, having learned the hard way a lot of these lessons you're sharing with us today, fast forward today, I just said, well, it seemed to make sense at the time, but that doesn't look like it's the case now, so let's do this other thing instead. And I will be very happy to tell you that with a couple minor adjustments to the language and adjusting the promotion just ever so slightly, we exceeded the original financial monetary goal by 20%. Which is fantastic. And in addition to that, you learned some valuable lessons from doing it not quite the best way the first time around. And then you applied what you learned when you relaunched it and did it the second time with amazing results. That's fantastic. So see, sometimes making the wrong decision or a bad decision, if you want to call it such, is not necessarily a bad thing overall. It still teaches you something and kind of makes you shift directions towards something that's going to result in something far better in the end, right? Exactly. And I'm reminded of something else, too. I love when our episodes of the Business Creators Radio Show turn into conversations about anecdotes, because I think these are the ones that are some of the most fun and most exciting of all of our episodes. I'm really enjoying this. Another thing that comes to mind, and I think a lot of our listeners will relate to this at some level, is if you work in a corporate-type environment or you have a boss or you have a demanding client if you're the entrepreneur or whatever it is, and things don't go exactly as planned or 
balls get dropped or something along those lines. And next thing you know, uh, the person starts going through their email inbox trying to find what went wrong. And I can tell you, I lost so many days of my life sitting through this excruciating, I mean, just, and just them just finding things or trying to find things. They're looking for that, aha, I got you, you incompetent liar. So whenever I start to see that coming on, here's what I do. And this was taught to me by one of my mentors several years ago. The, mm-hmm. simplest, thing, the simplest thing to say in that case is I can see that we're about to spend a lot of time reviewing history, and I'm just simply going to concede that at some point you're going to find something that I wrote in one of those emails that's not matching what I'm telling you right now. That's perfectly fine. So why don't we right now revisit the gap between where we are and where we're supposed to be, find the fastest way to fill that gap or scale that bridge, and then after we've resolved everything, we can come back and we can do the postmortem and we can have this conversation. And exactly. You, that's what, that's perfect. Put, and, and, if, and if the person you're sitting across from or you're on the telephone with or you're on Skype with or what have you is even worth having in your life, they will immediately go for that because you're showing them that you're acknowledging their concern by just saying, yeah, you have a concern, you're probably right, and now giving them what they really want, which is to not have the problem, to have the project done, the issue resolved, or whatever it is. And I can tell you that every time I've taken that approach, not once have they ever come back to me and said, okay, now we have to go through all these emails. They never do. That's right, because really they, really, they realize that that's just going to take more time, and it's not right. doing anything to make forward progress. It's really just mulling over the past and saying what if, or again, should have, could have, would have. Why do that? The best thing, as you said, is to move forward and say what do we do now to get, you know, to finish that gap from where we ended up and where we ultimately want to be. Once we get there, then we can mull over the past. But, you know, usually by the time you've gotten to where you want to be initially, nobody wants to bother mulling over the past anyway. They're happy at that point to just let it be in the past. So it goes back to that whole thing of living in the present moment and not regretting your past decisions. Truthfully, it doesn't matter why something went wrong. Just the fact that it did means, okay, it's time to correct course. Let's spend our energies and our efforts doing that rather than figuring out where the poor decision might have been made. Leave the past in the past. Right, exactly. And I'm going to say something really evil here, but it's very true, which (laughs) is um, when you think about somebody in that situation, they're probably just so sick of it anyway, and they may even be sick of you, that they're not going to want to come back to it at that point. Uh, They're going to say, okay, now this one I can check off. Now let's move off now now that we've taken care of this one. Now let's move on to the next disaster. So either way, you don't really have to go back there. What you just simply need to do is look at what did happen and figure out, okay, so what's the best practice and what are the best steps I can possibly take to mitigate the chances of this happening again. That's, that's, all, that's, all, you can, that's all you can do. Uh, I think exactly, there's another thing. exactly. Yeah, I think there's another thing that happens, and I think a lot of the of people experience this, in their childhood, uh, you know when our parents tell us how to say we're sorry? Mm-hmm. When we're taught how to apologize and how to say we're sorry, and whether it's a parent or a grandparent or an uncle or something along those lines, they'll teach you to say, I'm sorry I did that, and I'll never do it again. Hmm. That's that is, programming us to be afraid to make any decisions, really, because... Exactly. Oh. To say, and I'll never do it again, is almost like saying, and I will never make another bad decision in my life. That is the very thing that does make people afraid to make decisions, because then all of a sudden that childhood memory comes up, and it's, what if I make a bad decision? What if I do something that I said I would never do again? And I think they have to just kind of get past that and leave past mistakes lie. You know, we all make mistakes. Children, grown-ups, business owners, homeowners, everyone makes mistakes. And so much time is wasted mulling over past mistakes and poor decisions rather than spending that time, again, making new decisions and trying new things that can move you forward closer to your goal. Uh, You know, I think parents really have good intentions when they teach us to apologize for our mistakes and say we'll never do it again. They do have the best intentions. 
but sometimes the message gets confusing to a very young child's brain. And the child learns that they're being told, I'll never make another mistake. I'll never make another bad decision. When really what it is is kind of saying, I'll think about it more carefully next time, but I may make another mistake. And if I do, I really shouldn't need to regret it because it was the best decision I could make at the time. I am sorry I made something that I did something that made you unhappy, but I'm not sorry that I made that decision. That's really how we should be thinking about it. But I know how tough that is, you know? Right. I've I've had a couple things, and again, I love when the episodes turn this this way, and uh, I know there's a real zinger of a question I'm going to ask you in one more minute, but this, you're you're such a great coach, Sharon, you're causing things to come up within me, and I I know that in some way I'm speaking on behalf of people in our audience who have experienced similar things and has held them back. This is a testament to your brilliance as a coach in this area, I just wanted to say that. I appreciate that. Actually, I wasn't even trying to coach you. I I, I love this topic because I have found that nothing helps people move forward faster in business than the ability to make a decision. And I can go that direction for for probably 20 more minutes, but I'm going to let you bring this back where you wanted to go. Go right ahead. Right. I have just I have just one more, and then we're going to. And this is going to tie into I know this real zinger of a question that I'm going to ask you. That's going to really give our listeners incredible value. But I'm reminded of a time back when I was in college, and I went away to college. I went to Penn State University. I grew up about three hours from there. And uh, during the summer times, I had a job working in a fast food restaurant. Now I made one of the biggest mistakes you can make at work, which is to get involved with a coworker romantically. So. I So we have our little summer love thing. I go back to school. She stays there, and then she turns into a rotten you-know-what and cheats on me and does all other kinds of things. <laughs> and uh, and uh, there were also some mentality issues there on her part. Not that I was perfect. but And, uh, and so I'm back there, and I'm picking up some hours around, uh, around Christmas time so that I can have some spending money for the bars up at Penn State. And uh, – the management was aware of the situation, did everything they could to separate our schedules because they just didn't want to deal with any, like, you know, ex-lover spats or anything like that, which is, you know, pretty common practice. And, uh, you know, the whole thing of separating people when you, you know, in food service when that happens. But mm. uh, there was a little Yeah, food fight on campus, not a good idea. Exactly, food exactly, <laughs> food fight, yeah. So, uh, yeah, so, so she, uh, so there was a little place where the schedules did overlap slightly, so she comes in and just starts with her attitude, and uh, I didn't even know I had the the ability to do this. I didn't know I had this in me. I just looked her right in the eye, and I called her a really bad name. Uh, Okay, and and, and how did that work out for you? It made her her cry hysterically, Uh, but I will tell you, it did shut down all the talk she had been doing that I had been hearing about how she, how she was going to walk in and she was going to show me what's what. And uh, this was just her going to assert something on me and make my life miserable. And she mm. walks in and immediately throws attitude at me, and I know that people are watching, just waiting for my humiliation. And I throw one word back at her, and I break her down. And I admit, that was not a very nice thing of me to do. But I was in a situation where I didn't know what else to do. If I start screaming back, that just lowers me to her level, and I can't exactly make it go away through reason because this is not a person that's going to be reasonable. In fact, they've been going around bragging to their friends who have been telling me about how, exactly how unreasonable they plan to be. So mm-hmm. I had to shut it down. And, of course, you know, after that happens, management gets involved and certain conversations take place and things like that. But I thought about it, and I realized when I – did that, when I said that, I was completely calm. I wasn't even upset about it, and I felt like I was in a place of power where I was doing something that was very difficult, not very nice, and it put me in a situation where I did look bad. And and when I had a conversation with the general manager of the store, the next time I saw him and he wanted to have a few words with me, um, I just uh, I said, look, I didn't really enjoy doing it. Uh, I found myself in a situation where I didn't see any other choice, and I didn't have a whole lot of time to think through what my options were. I'm sorry that it happened. And he just said, okay, now at the end of it. Well, exactly, because really, you tell me, knowing that you had very little time to thoroughly think it through, did you choose to do the best thing you could do at the moment, 
with the resources you had available to you. I mean, really, what you needed to do was shut down a very abrasive situation and kind of make yeah. it stop right there, right now, so that everybody could get on with their day. And that is exactly what you did. Now, you apologized, but what you apologized for, I think, was creating an uncomfortable situation for a few minutes to end an uncomfortable situation that was going to drag on and on and on if you did nothing at all. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, I mean, there were some basic human motivations on my part. I had to let people know that I was not to be messed with. I mean, because if you let people mess with you, that makes your life very miserable, and you're going to make a lot of bad decisions reacting to a lot of things that didn't happen to have, have to happen in the first place. And then the second Well, right, thing, because when you make a decision yeah. from an emotional point of view, it very seldom is the best decision. Letting emotions right. get too much in the way can really derail a good decision. And right. the other thing? Right. The other thing? The other, the other thing is, contrary to my immediate fear after it happened that everybody would think I was an absolute jerk and want nothing to do with me, the fact is, other than people who had it in for me anyway, <laughs> generally speaking, once people heard my side of the story, they respected me. Mm-hmm. And, they respe- and they respected that I was in an impossible situation where I was damned if I did and damned if I didn't, and I did the best I could with what I had available. And, the, and a couple of those people that work there are still my friends to this day. Well, see, and that's another excellent point that you bring up, because what you did by making that decision, even though others might have said, well, why on earth did he do that? What a, what a crazy thing to do. By making that decision, you took command of the situation, you put yourself in a position of power, and you made them respect you all the more, because you made a decision that stopped the situation at hand cold and changed directions in a positive manner. So you kind of took control, and that is something that that demands some respect. I mean, being able to make a decision in a very tense situation, knowing that it's the only way to move things forward in the right direction, that's a hard thing to do when you're under the gun like that. And you might have been afraid, oh, they'll think bad things about me, they won't respect me. And in in truth, the opposite is what happened. The opposite came to be, that everybody really respected you, even those that – Maybe you weren't their best friend, but as you said, unless they were totally out to get you. But really, Adam, why would anybody be out to get you? You seem like a nice guy. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I also heard from people that said, I don't agree with what you did and I have an issue with it. But at the same time, I understand how you had no other choice. Right, and I respect your decision to do it. So there you go. Right, right, right. So here's the zinger. We've been promising our guests, and it kind of ties into this. I, uh, although just the nature of this conversation kind of brought this up within me because I don't think about this every day because uh, mm. it happened like, I don't know, 20 years ago, give or take, uh, sometimes we find ourselves in situations where we don't really have that time to really think things through. We have to do something very quickly based on very limited information. That's kind mm-hmm. of what being a CEO is all about. Now, sometimes it's not possible for us to get the information any amount of time required before we make that decision. I mean, we, we may not have access to all the data. We may not have time to go through all the what-ifs, but some decision has to be made right now. And we may have to make a decision that may sound like we're kind of going with our gut. So would you ever suggest going with your gut when it comes to making a decision? Well, I would suggest in part going with your gut when it comes to make a decision. I'm going to detour for just a second and give you, if you're interested, a very quick strategy that once you learn to do this on a repetitive basis, you can ask yourself four super quick questions. I mean, this should not take you any more than a minute, even in a dire situation where you have to make a decision. And the best way to illustrate this, if, you, if you're willing to play a game with me, if you can take out a piece of paper, and maybe the listeners can kind of visualize this along with us, I will show you right. how to ask yourself four quick questions which will help you make any decision, and it takes the emotion out of it. After you learn these four quick questions, then I would say, yes, use your gut. Um, before we do this little exercise while you're pulling out your piece of paper, the reason I say let your gut make the final decision is this. Usually we just intuitively know whether something feels right, feels wrong, and I hate to make it sound so simplistic, but 
if you've already considered all the facts at your immediate disposal, if you've already gone through this little four-question exercise that I'm about to share with you, and you're still just a little bit on the fence, go with your gut to see which direction you're leaning. Because nine times out of ten, if it just feels wrong, it probably is. If it really feels a little bit more right to go the other way, that's usually the right choice. Now, I can't explain so much the science behind it, but I do right. know that after you've, after you've weighed all the possibilities, your gut is a lot smarter than most people give it credit for. Your intuition can really lead you toward the right decision because you're already thinking, can I live with this, can I not live with this? In that case, I right. would say, yes, definitely let your gut go with it, definitely. Um, uh, now here's where, paper out. They're out. You're ready to go. Yeah, okay. Let's do it. Oh, well, let's do it. In fact, let's do a sample question. Why don't you write down any question of your choosing at the top of the page? It can be, you know, a yes or no question. It can be an A or B choice, whatever the decision is that you want to make. For example, oh, I don't know, what, what might be a decision that you're struggling with today? And let's pick something fairly mundane so we don't have to agonize too much over it. Uh, I think this is something that comes up with our, a lot of our listeners. Uh, we have multiple deadlines. There's no possible way we can meet our original commitments. Somebody has to be let down. Okay. So what is your question of the day? Should I do A or should I do B? What would A be? What would B be? Just, uh, just so I have your question in my mind. Okay. Uh, this is, again, this is something I hear a lot from business creators. Um, mm -hmm. I've made I've made commitments to two clients that I can deliver their stuff by today. I'm only going to have time to do one of them. Whose do I deliver and who's, who gets rescheduled? Okay, got it. So for the rest of the day today, should I work with Sally or should I work with George? How about that? There we we'll, go. We'll pick there some we names. Go. Okay, right. so there you go. Now I want you to divide your piece of paper into four quadrants. Draw one line down the middle vertically and draw one right. line across the middle horizontally. Right. In Done. the first box, the upper left-hand corner, you're going to say, okay, let's, let's pick your question as, should I work with Sally? We'll start with Sally. Should I work with right. Sally today? Well, in the first box, you're going to ask yourself, what will happen if I work with Sally today? And quickly right. run through in your mind a list of all the things that will happen if you choose to work with Sally. Okay. Okay. In the box on the upper right-hand side, make a quick list of what will not happen today if I work with Sally. Right. In other words, one example might be I won't get to work with George or George will miss his deadline. So if I work with Sally, X, Y, and Z will happy, happen. Right. What will not happen if I work with Sally? Well, I won't get to George, or George will miss his, or Sally won't make her deadline if I don't work with Sally. The right. third quadrant, which is the lower left, I'm, I'm confusing myself, so let me slow it down. I'll just mark the four quadrants. The upper left should be what will happen if I work with Sally. Right. The upper right should be what will not happen if I work with Sally. Got it. Now, the lower left should be, what will happen if I do not work with Sally? And the lower right is a double negative. It's, what will not happen if I do not work with Sally? So you're exploring it from four different angles, okay? Four different angles related to Sally is what I'm hearing here, right? Pardon me? Four different angles related to Sally. Right, because your choice is really, do I? it's not do I work with Sally or do I work with George. It's do I work with Sally or not. You have to have a yes or no question. Um, it's got to be in the form of a yes or no question. Should I uh -huh. order the chicken? You know, if you're looking at a menu, it's not do I order the chicken or do I order the beef. It's do I order the chicken, yes or no. Well, if you end up not ordering the chicken, then you can go ahead and order the beef. But first you have to decide, yes or no, do I order the chicken? So actually, let's go with that example. It's a little easier to follow. So what will happen if I order the chicken? What will not happen if I order the chicken? What will happen if I don't order the chicken? And what will not happen if I don't order the chicken? It's uh -huh. four different ways of looking at a yes or no question. 
And I know it sounds a little bit confusing at first, but when you put it on paper, if you go through those four questions for any yes or no decision that you need to make, it takes the emotion right out of it because you can see right in front of you a whole list of if I choose to do this, this will happen. If I choose to do this, these things won't happen. If I choose not to do this, these things will happen. If I choose not to do this, these things won't happen. So it's four different perspectives. This is actually based on something called Cartesian coordinates. And it's a very effective way to see on paper in black and white and take all the emotion out of it. Now, there's a way to go even deeper with this and sort of inject the emotion back into it. And the way to do that is you take each of your four lists. And you sort of weigh it as positives versus negatives in your own perception. Let's say that you're looking at the list of what will happen if I order the chicken. Well, right. number one, uh, my stomach will get full. Number two, I won't get an opportunity to order the beef. That will happen. If you order the chicken, you won't have an opportunity to order the beef. And number right. three, um, let's see, there will be one less chicken in the world. Okay, go through those three options. You assign them either a positive or a negative value. Number one, my belly will get full. Well, gee, I think that's a good thing, so that's a positive. Uh, the second thing, I won't get to order the beef. Well, I don't really care about that. That's kind of neutral, so we'll put an N for neutral. It's not positive, it's not negative, it's just a neutral. And the third thing that happens is there will be one less chicken in the world. Well, that's kind of a sad thing, so that's kind of a negative. All right, now you look at the values that you assign to those three things. And does it have more positive outcomes or does it have more negative outcomes? That can also help you make a decision by putting the emotion back into it. But first you have to list it as a series of facts. This will happen if you make this choice. This won't happen if you make this choice. It's a very neat way and kind of fun to put down on paper, you know, the evaluation process for the more difficult decisions. Now, on simple decisions, you can simply ask yourself those four questions in your mind once you get good at this. Oh, I have to make a choice. Uh, what will happen if I order the chicken? Uh, what will happen if I don't order the chicken? What right. will not happen if I order the chicken? And what will not happen if I do not order the chicken? It sounds confusing, but again, when you get good at it, you can almost make split-second decisions. And if you're still on the fence, that is when I would say that you go with your gut. Um, there are so many other methods and little games that you can play to help train yourself to become a faster, more effective decision maker. Now, obviously, this was a fairly quick one. Um, other yeah. ones take a lot more time, but I would never recommend, especially for an important decision, the tried and true method of flipping a coin or rolling the dice because those are purely arbitrary methods. So unless your decision means absolutely nothing to you whatsoever, I don't recommend flipping a coin as the best method to go about it. But uh, <laughs> I would say if you're interested, there's a lot of ways out there that I could help you learn to make more effective decisions. See, I promised our audience this would be a zinger. And since we're actually near the top of the hour, just funny how time flies, uh, we actually only have about uh, a minute or two left here, believe it or not. Uh, what I want to do first of all, Sharon Hibbert, is thank you so much for joining us. And let me just give you the floor for about 30 more seconds and tell us how you serve business creators and how our listeners can get more information from you regarding this topic. Please tell us. Well, my company is Shared Ideas, which stands for Individually Designed Entrepreneurial Achievement Strategies. And so my goal with my clients is really to focus on the area that you need the most assistance with so that you can build your own best business. Now, if you feel for any reason that you do need some assistance with with um, effective decision-making, as I mentioned, there are quite a few methods that we can use that I would be happy to teach my clients how to employ these methods to be able to make effective decisions, make them quickly, and to learn not to agonize over or regret perhaps some decisions that they've made in the past that didn't turn out quite the way they wanted to. If anybody would be interested in reaching out to me to learn how to make more effective decisions or even just to play around with some of these methods and see which one works the best for them, I would suggest they go take a look at my website. My website is shared-ideas.net, and there's a tab on the website that says Contact Me. 
you can go ahead and reach out to me. Um, ask your question in the email, provide your email address, and I will get back to you. And what I always do for my potential clients or anyone who expresses an interest in the topics that I'm trying to address is a free initial strategy session. So you can throw out your question. We can even play around with one of these decision-making methods with your particular question. And I will promise that I will help you come to one effective decision before the end of that initial conversation is over. So if that sounds like fun and you'd like to try an experimental question so you can do some decision-making on your own in a whole different way, go ahead, check out the website, send me an email, and let's set up a date to do a strategy session. How does that sound, Adam? Very good, very good. And uh, with that, I'd like to end here because we're right at the top of the hour. So, again, Sharon, thank you very much. I know that your phones are going to be lighting up any minute now, so I better let you get to it here. <laughs> so, um, so uh, for everybody listening, this is Adam Homey, host of businesscreatorsradioshow.com. Please check out our website for our upcoming and previous episodes where our guest experts teach you as a business creator how to win at the game of business and marketing. Until next time, have a great day. 